morning, Skyline, and thank you, Dave, and thank you, band, for, uh, for leading us uh, in that song this morning. It's a perfect lead-in uh, to what we want to discuss today and in honor of Father's Day. You know, what is it about looking into our children's innocent eyes? It just, um, it just makes it so crystal clear to us that as dads, we have this tremendous responsibility to them. And we feel at times so inferior to the challenge. And that's why it's important to know that we have a resource in God, in our Heavenly Father. He's going to lead us, and so therefore we can lead them. So first off this morning, I'm going to ask that we have all the dads that are with us, please stand to your feet. If you're a father, stand up. And yes, let's take a moment to honor them. Thank you, dads, for the important role you play in our lives. We appreciate you. You may be seated. So fathers, you have a massively important role to play in your sons' and daughters' lives. Your children yearn to receive your validation. They absolutely crave your attention, and your approval. And they admire, among many things that they admire about their dads, they admire your resourcefulness. And so it's fitting that as we wrap up our series this week on character and on parenting, that our word of the day is resourceful. So when I looked up the definition for resourceful, the first thing that I landed upon was, was this definition. And it says, having the ability to find quick and clever ways to overcome difficulties. And so I thought about that and I was like, well, if I'm going to find an illustration this morning that's going to be a good illustration for that definition, it's going to have to have at least three elements. First is, there has to be a problem. And then there has to be, initially, an apparent lack of resources. And then finally, a resourceful solution. Well, I think I have maybe the perfect illustration for you this morning. I think it checks all three of those boxes. And so today, we get to go back into the Tucci family archives and pull out a story. Uh, perhaps you were with us a few weeks back. Uh, I told you a story about our daughter, Charlotte, at the time. But that story, she was only two years old, and she had suffered um, a cut that required some, some stitches that were very painful. Painful for her, painful for us. Well, I want you to fast forward now about, oh, about 25 years. Charlotte is now driving. She has a waitress job on the weekends that keeps her out rather late. Uh, but it's, it's lucrative, it, it pays cash, and, and uh, you know, she needs it. So one of the problems that she has is she gets in very late on a Saturday night. But Charlotte, wanting to do the right thing, she determines in her heart that she is going to get up, even though she hasn't had enough sleep. She's going to get up and she's going to make it to church that Sunday morning. So she does, and as she's pulling into the parking space, 
she gets a little too close to that bumper curb thing that they have sometimes, and she hears a cracking sound. So she immediately jumps out of the car, runs around to the front of the car, only to have her worst fears realized. She has cracked the bumper on her car. Now, at this point, emotion just takes over. And for whatever reason, she just decides to throw whatever is in her hand as hard as she can at her windshield. Her wallet was in her hand. Her wallet that was stuffed with all the cash from her waitress tips the night before. And the wallet bounced off of the windshield and then it bounced off of the hood of the car and into a sewer drain. Now her sister, who had driven with her to church that morning, just watched this whole thing all go down. And her sister decided that maybe it, the best thing to do was not to tell her what she actually thought. She decided her best course of action would be to run and get mom. So she runs inside to the church service that's already started. Mom's already in the middle of it. And she tries to explain to mom what just happened. So she emerges with mom. And the two of them see Charlotte leaning over the sewer drain. And she has a long stick in her hand, which she had gone to the edge of the parking lot where there was a wooded area, and she had found this big stick. And she's leaning into the sewer, and she's got that wallet all the way over to the side wall of the sewer, and she's coaxing the wallet up the side of the sewer with the stick. So don't you know that with mom's help, mom goes over, mom is reaching down into the sewer as far as she can. Charlotte is coaxing the wallet up the side of the sewer. You know that the two of them, they got that wallet back. And it was a little wet, but it was actually none the, wear, none the worse for the wear. Now that story illustrates at least two characteristics about my daughter. One is her resourcefulness. And the second one is her absolute determination where hard-earned money is at stake. So we live in a culture of professionalism, we live in a culture where we have instant access to knowledge. And if we don't, if we don't know the answer to something, we just Google it, and we, we, we feel confident that we always have the right answer. But what if the absolute right resource is not available? Sometimes we can just get totally stuck when that happens, right? You need a certain power tool to do this job, and if you don't have it, well, a hand tool, can't use that, it's, not gonna, it's really just not gonna help me. So sometimes we get paralyzed by indecision when we think we don't have the absolute right resource. I mean, there's an app for everything, but what if you don't have the app? Can you cobble together some kind of solution that, that will produce an answer? Can you be resourceful like Charlotte was? She didn't have a fishing net so she used a stick. You know, there's a, a Christian author, Max Lucado, and he says this, and I, I think this is really good. He says, in truth, your challenge is not your challenge. Your challenge is the way you think about your challenge. 
Likewise, your problem is not your problem. The way you look at the problem is your problem. Like I said, I think that, that he's got something there. So many times we get stuck in life because we don't think we have the resources that we need when all that we need is to confront the problem with what God has already put in our hand. So today we're going to look at a famous Bible story. And then we're going to try to distill some principles from that Bible story that will help us not to get stuck when we seem to be fresh out of resources. And along the way, we want to apply these principles to our series on character and on parenting. So, before we go any further, I want to introduce you to today's big idea. And it's this. When life gets tough, we can pray for God to make the problem go away, or we can choose to run towards it with God at our side. I'm going to say it one more time. When life gets tough, we can pray for God to make the problem go away, or we can choose to run towards it with God at our side. Now, the famous story that uh, we're going to look at today is the story of David and Goliath. Many of you, I know, have heard of it. Uh, It's a popular story that we teach to our children, and it's recorded in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 17. So at that time, Israel was led by the first, their first king, King Saul. And Saul and the army of Israel had set up battle lines with this neighboring country and the army of the Philistines. Now, the two armies were encamped on opposing hills. And in between the two armies and these hills was this valley of Elah. Now, every day, the champion of the Philistine army, whose name was Goliath, he would come down off of his hill to the edge of the valley, and he would send out this challenge to all of Israel that they should send out their best warrior, and the two best warriors, the two champions, would fight it out, and that would determine the battle for both armies. Now, Goliath was an imposing an intimidating warrior. The Bible says that he was six and a half cubits tall. Now, a cubit is the distance from the tip of your fingers to your elbow. So it's about a foot and a half. So if you do the math, that says that Goliath was like actually nine feet tall. Definitely NBA material, I would say. <clears throat> Not only that, But the armor that he wore was made out of bronze, and it weighed about 125 pounds. So you get in the picture of what they were up against. And then finally, he had a a spear, and the iron tip, just the iron tip on his spear, weighed 15 pounds. So this is the resume of an elite warrior. And he had resources. He had natural resources. He was big. And he had good man-made resources as well. And this is what he would say, recorded in verse 10 of 1 Samuel 17. This day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. 
And on hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. So Israel was faced with a formidable problem. The stakes were high. It was a life and death situation. And not only for the man who faced Goliath, but the whole nation would be in danger of being enslaved if this battle went the wrong way. And the, the part, this part of the story concludes uh, with these words. It says, For 40 days the Philistine came forward every morning and every evening, and he took his stand. Now, sometimes we face a problem, and it just doesn't seem to want to resolve. <clears throat> it turns into this <clears throat> long-term trial. Well, it turns out that the number 40 is actually a very significant number in the Bible. So just think about it. How many days and nights did it rain during the flood of Noah's day? 40 days and nights. And how many years did Israel wander in the wilderness? 40 years. And how many days was Jesus in the wilderness before Satan came and tempted him? 40. So you see the pattern? 40 is the Bible number for trials and testing. And so your problem may be an ongoing ordeal. It may be a trial. It may have been going on for days and weeks and months. In fact, <clears throat> this morning, if you're a father, your trial may be that you don't know how to train your toddler. Or maybe you're not really sure how to talk or rather, how to play with your eight-year-old. The talking becomes a problem when you have to try to figure out how to talk to your teenage daughter. Or, or maybe you're not sure how to motivate your teenage son. These things are, are problems in our lives that could be ongoing, and we're not sure how to face up to them. Well, in this passage that we're looking at, Goliath represents your problem. He represents your trial. And whatever it is, it's bigger than you and the resources that you have to fight it. And every day it screams at you in defiance. You don't have what it takes to win this battle. And there's one other thing I think that this story teaches us. And that is that your problem doesn't go away just because you ignore it. Men, when leaders don't lead, people suffer. And fathers, when you don't lead, your family suffers. Now Israel's champion should have been King Saul, but the leader was too afraid to step up and lead. So God used somebody else. He used David. Well, who was David? Well, David was the youngest son in Jesse's family. David had three older brothers that were all already in the army. They were already up at the front. They were legitimate warriors. <clears throat> but David wasn't trained as a warrior. David was trained as a shepherd. So he was actually tending the sheep when all of this was going down. David at this time was probably 17 or 18 years old. Not really even a man yet. 
And David had no armor, no spear, no weapon really worth mentioning. He did probably have a staff that a shepherd would carry, but no resources worth putting on a warrior's resume. But actually, David did have some resources, just not the ones that people thought mattered. You see, in the chapter before this, God had already rejected Saul because Saul had disobeyed God. And Samuel the prophet was told to anoint David to be the next king. He was kind of the, the king in waiting. Had to wait and see what would happen to Saul, but he had been told that he would be the next king. So David had God's calling on his life, and the passage actually says that the Spirit of the Lord was upon him. As it turns out, these are two pretty important resources. And then, as it turns out, he also had one other seemingly insignificant resource. In his hand, he had a sling. So Jesse sends David to the front lines to check on his brothers, see how they're doing. And uh, while David's up there, he surveys the situation and nobody's stepping up. So he says, I'll fight Goliath. Now his brothers immediately accuse him of grandstanding, right? Because they don't want to get shown up by their little brother. But Saul has nobody else that's willing to fight this battle. So eventually he acquiesces and he says, first let me put my armor on you. At least let's try to put some resources that we have in your favor. And that's a disaster because it's too big, it's too heavy, David can't move around in it. So, so David rejects that approach. <clears throat> and then David, with no armor and just a sling, he engages Goliath. And this is what he says in verse 45. You come at me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Every problem that is a battle for your character or for your child's character is not only personal to you. It is also in defiance and an affront to the God of heaven. In Ephesians chapter 6, the same chapter that tells children to honor their parents and fathers not to exasperate their children, also tells us that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So don't ever forget, there is a spiritual side to every battle. There's a spiritual side to every character problem that you or your child faces. And then we read this character-revealing verse in 48. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. <clears throat> so I want you to picture this. It's this giant warrior, and he actually comes with an armor-bearer. So it's the warrior and his armor-bearer, they begin to plod out into the valley toward David. And this teenager, David, takes off down the hill with no armor, running across the valley, full tilt like a lunatic, 
right at Goliath. He didn't ignore the problem. He didn't ask God to remove the problem. He ran at the problem. Why? Because he knew he had God at his side. And you do too. And we all know how the story ends. David takes him out with one large stone to the forehead, right from that sling that he already had in his hand. So as we think a bit more about how to apply this story to our own lives, I want to give you three principles on resourcefulness, and then we'll do three short takeaways at the end. Principle number one, you were deceived when you think it is preferable to ask God to remove the problem rather than overcome it with God's help. I find that this one is actually fairly common, I think, among Christians. And it's a bit unnerving because I feel like we should all know better. It goes something like, God, get me out of this predicament and I will you fill in the blank. Sometimes it doesn't even include a blank. Sometimes it's just, God, get me out of this predicament. But whatever you're offering him on the other side of that trade, it's not more important to him than building your character. And going through trials and overcoming them is what builds character. Not getting a detour around it. You know, it's Psalm 23, one of the famous psalms, and it's a psalm of David, no less. Verse 4, he says, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. He doesn't say walk around the valley. And this is something that actually um, our men in, in my life group have observed recently, that, and it's that with God... The journey is in some ways more important than the destination. We learn so much when we go through the valley with God at our side. We learn so much about God that we can trust him. We learn about ourselves. Oh, I was stronger than I thought. Lessons that we could never learn if God took us around the valley every time with these problems in our lives. And it says that I will fear no evil. Fear is what paralyzes us into inaction. We stop and we go nowhere. You may stop serving at church, or you may stop going to life group. You may stop parenting, or you may stop loving your spouse. When you find yourself in the thick of a problem and you're tempted to doubt God, keep moving. I want to acknowledge that the word problem might not even be Um, the right word to give your trial its proper weight. Because some of you are going through what we might call a season of testing. It's like a long, dark tunnel, and you can't even see that there's any light at the end of it. So I want to share with you um, what a, a famous preacher from a previous generation, Vance Havner, said, Never doubt in the dark what God showed you in the light. Principle number two. You are deceived when you value the world's resources over God's resources. 1 Corinthians 3, 18 and 19 tells us, Do not deceive yourselves. 
If any one of you thinks he is wise by the standards of this age, he should become a fool so that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. Now, this is just my personal opinion, but I would say don't trust 90% of the books that are out there on parenting. And that includes some of the so-called Christian ones, too. In this area, the Bible is your number one resource. Find out what the Bible says and follow that. You know, we have a a saying at, at Skyline, and we've been actually teaching through this in the parenting season, is that find out how God parents you and then parent your child from that perspective. And it's really true. Remember, David was fitted with Saul's armor, but ultimately he rejected it. He went into the battle only with, God, with, with what God had already put in his hand. So what is already in your hand this morning in terms of resourcing, uh, resources for parenting your child? Well, parents, you have an amazing resource if you attend this church. It's called Sky Kids. And at every age from newborn to 12th grade, we have people who we believe have been called by God to help train your young person to experience a relationship with God through Jesus. It's not just babysitting. It's not just child care. It's actually a parental partnership, and I encourage you to pick it up and use it to your fullest advantage. Principle number three. You are never more godly powerful than when you think you are worldly weak. 2 Corinthians 12.9 says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul could actually say that he delighted in these difficulties. He delighted in the problem. How could he possibly say that? Only because he knew that in going through those problems, he was going to experience the power of God, God at his side, Paul says, when I feel weak in my own strength, then I am ready to believe that for this to work out, God's going to have to show up. And he will, and he does. So three things that I want you to be able to take away this morning as you go into your week this week. Number one, the problems in your life are real, and some of them even threaten to overwhelm you. But whatever you do, do not run from them, do not ignore them, and do not ask God to remove them. Number two, your resourcefulness is rooted in having God at your side, and he will use whatever is already in your hand, even if the world doesn't recognize it as the right resource. Number three, Run straight at your problem, just the way David ran at Goliath. Keep that picture in mind. 
And I want to say this to all parents, but especially fathers today. To watch how you handle problems will be one of the greatest lessons that you can ever give to your children. Let's commit to do this this week with the resource that's already in your hand and knowing that we have God at our side. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for our dads, and thank you for being our Heavenly Father. Thank you that we don't need to have every resource in the world available to us, but whatever is in our hand, you have shown that you can use that. You can use that to help us train our, ch our children. You can use that to help us learn to build our own character so that they will see it and they will learn to build character. Help us, Lord, whatever that trial is in our life that we're going through, help us not to seek a way around it, but to go through it with you, even to run at it like David did. Father, we can only do that if we have confidence that you are at our side and that you are capable of using whatever we already have in our hand. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.